Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, here's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Thank you, Mr. Bruce. He's right. It is Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Speaking of Mr. Bruce, I just got word recently that Mr. Bruce, our friend, is in the hospital. He was not feeling too well. And from everybody here, we wish him only the best in his recovery in Australia. And, you know, I'd like to play a little something that might cheer him up. It's theme week. It's theme week. It's theme week. Actually, he also messaged me that that song gets stuck in his head half the time. We're hoping that you feel so much better and that you're home soon. Maybe by the time that this airs, you will be home and that you are getting the best of care. And speaking of getting the best of care and Australia... Who's our guest today, Sherpa? What an honor it was to speak to my guest this week. She was such a super nice person, really cool, a lot of fun, probably one of the best smiles I've ever seen on a person, and just very warm, and we had a lot of laughs, and you'll hear that in the interview. Her name is Joanne Wilson, and she is a neuropsychotherapist, and we're going to talk about that today, and the brain, and we'll also be talking about relationships as they pertain to the married types of relationships. She's got a lot of interesting stuff to say, so stay tuned and check it out, but first, let's have a word from our sponsor, Audible. That's right. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Sherpa. You know, Sherpa, me, 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 me. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. With 180,000 titles, you know you're bound to find something good. So while you're checking out Audible and a possible audiobook for you to download, why don't we head on over to the conference room in the Chopper Chalet, and we'll have a listen to my conversation with Joanne Wilson. Hello, everybody. My guest and I are making each other laugh right now, but uh, she's a pretty busy lady. She is a neuropsychotherapist, and we're going to talk about that. She's also a counselor for marriage, relationships, and depression, and anxiety, and she's also a writer and a blogger. And I, there's probably a couple of other titles that might fit in there too, but uh, we're going to find out about that today. And she hosts a podcast and it's called, Is This Love? And I'd like you to meet my guest, ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Joanne Wilson. Hi, Joanne. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to speak to a New Yorker. This is such a thrill. I feel so international right now. <laughs> How do you know I was New York? Was it my walk? Did that give it away? <laughs> just the accent and I got to enjoy a trip of the lifetime with my family this last uh, three months ago and enjoy the streets of New York and I, I just find it strange that I live in the most amazing place in the world I live in the lush grounds of the Sunshine Coast where most of us are about five minutes from the beach we have the most amazing beaches in the world it is so green yeah, you talk to a lot of Sunshine Coasters and they're like, I want to live in New York. <laughs> we want to live in the concrete jungle. Yeah, it sounds, it's so exciting. That's what we don't have, I think, is the thrill of all the activity and the amazing food. It's unbelievable there. So I'm very jealous too, yeah. I guess, you know, it's funny. I, I guess you, sometimes you don't appreciate what's around you, so you get more attracted to what's you know, what's not around you. So Yeah, we all want what we haven't got. But mind you, yeah, I don't think us Sunshine Coasters would last too long. Yeah. 
I know what a psychotherapist is. What is a neuropsychotherapist? Ah, uh, you see, you put the word neuro in front of anything and you can sound really smart, don't you think? <laughs> so I have a keen interest in how the brain works. And what I've found in counseling, well, psychotherapy, uh, particularly when I work with couples in relationships, is that when we have an understanding of what's happening in the brain, um, it just makes things so much more acceptable and being able to move past um, challenges a lot easier when it's considered as part of our anatomy. Um, like you have a sore arm or a tennis elbow or something, when we understand the workings of it, um, it doesn't make it feel so overwhelming. And so a lot of my work is understanding, oh my gosh, I'll never know enough about this topic. Um, all this new research always coming out. Um, oh, yeah, it's astounding. And as you can tell, I get quite excited about it. So then I write about that and relationships in my weekly column in our local paper, the Sunshine Coast Daily. And then I get to talk about it on radio each week. All right, I'm going to hit you with a big question first, if that's all oh, right. Oh, no. Okay, brace myself. Okay. Is there a difference between the male and the female brain? Yes, there are. But the more the PhD is research it, the more similar we are. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> um, so male brain is about 10% larger as far as um, its mass. <laughs> if you look at that, um, if you look at um, how we think, women are very, we think about relational things. We, we are, just, I think, created um, in a nurturing way. We spend a lot more time um, thinking about relationships, talking about them. We generally have a lot more words. We, we unwind using our words and men are, are less, more, they're more, um, their brain is more designed for, I guess, analytical things. You'll hear men talking about conquest. You'll hear men talking about um, facts um, and statistics and have a better um I guess, sense of, uh, well, this is why I'm back into my husband's car in the driveway all the time, because he has a lot more spatial awareness than I do. <laughs> so, but when it, when it comes down to it, what we do find is that we are all so unique. Many women are more masculine than some other women. So when you get down to it, you know, you have more men that talk more than their woman. So it's kind of a, a bit of both sides. Does that make sense, Jim? Sure. Um, does that usually mean that there are parts of the brain that maybe might be a little more developed that might make a person more emotional or more talkative or maybe have a better memory about things? Or is it just... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's more developed, but when, it, when I get into talking about, um, you know, this recent month in my... Um, I'm calling it audacious August where I'm attempting to try and work out what it would be like for a male um, to be in a relationship with a woman. And what I'm noticing is that it's a lot of socialization. I don't know about so much Americans, but um, Australian men, it's often um, not acceptable to show your emotion. You have to man up and you have to be that beefcake that's, you know, protective and you'll find then that a man will express a huge amount of emotion at a football game or when they hear something sad they might express it in a oh I'm going to go and you know punch him out or I'm going to go and say this and they sound macho but underneath there's a lot of sadness but it's not really acceptable in society to speak about it in those terms so when you talk about development I think that 
um, we could as a society make it more acceptable for men to express themselves um, and still feel like they're a macho man. And that's probably part of your therapy, right? To maybe if the husband or boyfriend isn't expressing himself correctly, you know, say maybe use these words, express yourself this way. Is that right? Yeah, you actually do have feelings. Use, yes, we can encourage them. Use the F words <laughs> in a nice way, the good F words. Okay. Um, but also for us women, we need to understand how that can be challenging, how men can be raised to um, not show their emotions and so for us to be patient with that for us to sometimes use a lot of our words on our tribe use your gal pals girls and if you want to talk about something in minute detail maybe save that for your girlfriends because they'll probably suck that up and enjoy that a lot more than your man who will glaze over and say what's the point of this conversation before they walk off now when people meet they you often hear the phrase there was no chemistry between us. Well, things like, like pheromones, there's, um, you know, the smell of someone. When we kiss someone, we're actually exploring and smelling them um, without realising it as we do it. You know, like when you have that first bad kiss or it's a good kiss. Um, <laughs> so that you could describe that as chemistry. Um, when we hug, we're actually having a good, you know, check out of what this person feels like. Um, and for women at certain times in our cycle, we're more likely to look for certain things in a man as far as reproduction than we might at other times in the month. It's really fascinating. Depends on where you're at at the time. Some people, you know, when you talk about chemistry, when you're meeting someone, have you come off of a rebound relationship and are you just wanting to um, fill the gap of loneliness? Um, would you experience the same chemistry or could you may not have the same clarity than if you had given the time to be the best version of yourself first? Yeah, that's when I see it can go quite wrong is when people are filling a gap, filling a void for the people that they're not um, instead of waiting until they've worked on themselves to then be able to meet their most appropriate partner that meets them where they're at and, yeah, treats them accordingly. How does the brain determine if, if it's actually love? Oh, don't you hate it when people just say, I don't know about you, Jim, but when you met your wife, did you just know? <laughs> it took a little time with us. <laughs> but, uh, we, you know, we hit it off pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I think you've, you've got to um, you take into consideration when we're pairing up, as we've discussed, you know, you think about all the things that you're looking for in a person. Is this love? Hence the name of my podcast. Sure. What is love? I actually got that from um, Bob Marley. I thought that was such a great song. <laughs> so um, oxytocin is flowing. When we are wanting to hook someone in, oxytocin, that's how we, we created, we pair up when we've got this love drug flowing through our bodies and we this is when blokes will be that person to talk to you until one o'clock in the morning um and then after one to two even after two years is when all the the warts have come out when you've actually been able to be in in a relationship where you've seen a few challenges together maybe you've traveled together and i think by then you know is this love because yes you can look i'm quite honest i met and married my husband within a year um, we're engaged and married within the first 12 months. And I must admit, I just knew. And so sometimes it's, it's a bit like intimacy and sex, like it's a mysterious, unexplainable thing that um, bonds people together. And when you say, I just knew, I think it's something that you can't say, well, you have to meet this criteria before you definitely know that you're in love. 
like you feel it in your heart. Sometimes it's unexplainable. You don't know why. But as I touched on before, making sure that you are the best version of yourself to be able to, be able to have that clarity. And um, some people might think this is a values-based system, but when sex is involved too early, it's, it gets pretty cloudy. It's pretty hard to see whether this is love or is it lust. You would think that when you're meeting someone that, you know, you know how you are and you kind of have a vision of the type of person that you'd want to meet. But then very often we meet someone who's the exact opposite. Why do, why do opposites attract? Oh, we complement each other. I think that's the great thing. Um, you know, not, I'm not thinking of the same sex relationships right now, but, you know, with men and women, we are designed to complement each other. You know, where men are, are more spatial, spatially aware um, and not, for example, hey, that means my partner, my husband's going to pack the, the boot of the car for me, the trunk, I think you say in America. So he's much better at, at putting things together, whereas I will be the one to maybe choose the shades of the um, the curtains in the house because I can see different shades of colour, whereas at, and anatomically, um, a male actually has one cone less in their retina that can actually uh, distinguish shades of colour. So, you know, it's so cool. And I think that's where relationships can go wrong is that, oh, my gosh, my man is so this and that when they are actually different but for a great reason and it's actually working out where we can complement each other um, for the best um, outcome and, and really utilise your skills for those bits that you're not good at. Rely on your partner for that. And what do you think is it in the brain that maybe – causes jealousy sometimes in a relationship mm, in the brain um i think that's uh, from my opinion i think it's more of a values-based system it's more of a protecting ourselves there might be some science behind jealousy um, that i'm not aware of but it's more um from my experience based on previous experiences like if you had a boyfriend or girlfriend when you're young and they um, cheated on you, um, you might not have processed that and therefore you can catastrophize and say, because my boyfriend in grade nine cheated on me, therefore I can't trust anybody in this world. Um, there, I guess, yeah, jealousy goes into trust really, doesn't it? And you can also see it passed down generations. If a parent has um, been a victim of an affair or their grandparents or they've had an affair without you realising it, you can become quite untrusting and be jealous of your partners because it's been uh, featured in your family legacy. So, so that's probably a big part of your psychotherapy practice, that getting to the heart of how did you view relationships when you were a child? What did you see? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely must go through a bit of a genogram to to see uh, the family lineage, talk about who were your mentors, um, because in life, who were your relationship mentors? What did you see when you grew up? Was it violent? Was it um, a silent treatment that your dad gave your mum when they weren't getting along? Um, was there a lot of living between different houses? Were you neglected? But, you know, a huge amount of the population, unfortunately, didn't get to um, learn from great mentors in their relationships. And that gives me so much excitement and fervour um, to do my job because we get to impact generations. We're creating a ripple effect when we can change how we interact as a couple and have really healthy conflict cycles, be absolutely okay with confronting conflict 
and to be able to work through a really uh, respectful and kind way of disagreeing and sometimes even agreeing. But I think that's a huge part as well is telling couples you're not going to agree on so much. You married this person because they were different to you. And like you said, do we actually, we have this picture of who we, we think uh, will be similar to us, but often we're attracted to someone who uh, compliments us um, for the parts that we're not. You know, an example of this is when someone could be really high on change and another person is really low on change. And so that spontaneity brings it out in the other person. The other one, it kind of grounds them a little bit. Um, yeah, but then 10 years down the track, how annoying is that when my partner keeps doing things at the last minute and I don't like change? I don't like moving houses. I don't like traveling all around the world without notice. So yeah, fascinating, isn't it? So sometimes the thing that attracts you to a person is the same, very same thing that repels you from them. Absolutely does your head in later. <laughs> so that's what I remind couples. Do you remember why you were, you know, you, you were likely attracted to this, actually, this, this person about this at the start. It was really cute back then, wasn't it? How's it working for you now? And I think that's where, um, you know, I could go off on a tangent here is um, there's a therapist, Dan Tacton, who talks about how uses an analogy of riding a bike. When we are learning to ride a bike, we have to use all of our um, body, use all our body and mind to try and coordinate ourselves to get to stay upright without falling over. It's a bit like a relationship that, you know, talking way into the wee hours, we're trying to hook them in, we show them our best foot forward. When we've hooked them in, it goes back to implicit memory. We don't really think about consciously the relationship and how much we need to maintain that bike. And so, that's part of my therapy is looking at, you know, I hate the thought of, oh, marriage is such hard work. It's more about maintenance. Yes, it can be absolutely um, soul destroying and annoying sometimes, but if you are maintaining your bike, your relationship, it's awesome. It's shiny. It's exciting. You go to new places. It's always more often than not, it's fun and we are healthier and happier because of it. I like that analogy. Uh, so in your practice, what do you think are the most common causes of marital problems? Is it usually money or, or love? No, not maintaining your bike. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the most common causes, oh, this is really boring. Are you ready? Communication and conflict resolution. Yeah, you'd see that in every book, every relationship book, but it's true when we don't learn how to communicate. Um, and I like, don't like the word criticism. In relationship therapy, I like to use when we can deliver feedback in a non-blaming way and for it to be received in that same non-blaming way. That is a great outcome for conflict resolution on communication. Um, a lot of, oh, can I be, probably more often men will think a lot of things and forget to say them. Like I had a, I used to have an app and it was based around a lot of guys were saying, can you just like send me a push notification to remind me to tell my wife she's pretty? Like I think about it, but I forget. So it was at the time it was sending through like little like, have you told your partner that um, you liked what, how they did dinner last night? It was just, you know, we forget to do that. Now, how long have you been married? Um, 13 years, I think. Yeah. And what do you think keeps your marriage strong? A sense of humor. We think we're really funny, but you know, sometimes during conflict, sometimes it's really funny. 
it kind of just diffuses things a little bit. Not always, but when you can have a bit of a laugh about it and when you have, like, we're just like any other couple. We disagree on stuff. Like, I, I find it really annoying when he doesn't want to do exactly what I want to do or how I want to do it. Like, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, I'm coming to terms with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, a sense of humour. Um, I believe that I'm very fortunate that both my husband and I have come from um, families of origin where people, um, marriages stick together, um, both our parents and their parents and their parents before them, um, have enjoyed the benefit of solid long lasting marriages until they've died. And again, um, yeah, who gets that as well. And I think at the back of our minds, we know that we're committed and it's not an option just to duck out as soon as it gets tricky. Not to say that we have both got siblings who haven't had marriages that have lasted, but I think for the both of us, um, that gives us a great advantage. And again, a huge amount um, of um, passion for me and fervour to try and impart that on couples that come through my room that we can pass it on to future generations. It's funny when you talk about, about your parents being married a long time. My parents have been married for 62 years this year. Oh, so. awesome. What's the key to their success? <laughs> My mother always says, don't go to bed mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that can be hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, when you're really exhausted. And I hear that a lot. Some guys will get really annoyed, but they'll just pass out of sleep. And the woman's lying there going, okay, how can I just sleep through this trauma? Happy wife, happy life. Hey, yeah, I'm all for that one. <laughs> You're on the winning end of that argument. That's why. Totally. <laughs> yeah, look, no, I think look when it gets down to it, no, you both have to be fulfilled in your marriage. You both have to have a healthy balance of independence and togetherness. Like some people get quite concerned or we don't have enough um, activities that we like to do together. Um, I believe that your core values is what's most important, what will hold you together um, and how you're, if you, there's children involved, how you raise them. And then you find something. I'm like, if you haven't got something you like to do together or you don't do it together anymore, go find something new. Um, I love the concept of, you know, couples making sure that they take turns um, having a date, even if it's just once a month. That's what my husband and I have done. Like during the baby years when we were so exhausted, we would book in advance a month. Um, where a girlfriend and I would swap, I'd go to her house once a month and look after her children so her and her husband go out and we do the same. And sometimes it gets to that Saturday night. It's the last thing we want to do. And we're forced to go out. Um, usually I, I encourage couples not to go to the movies because you have to become, you don't really talk then unless you talk about the movie afterwards. But just eyeballing each other, being out, getting back to basics about what you used to do, just enjoying each other's company without, you know, having those demanding, noisy children around you and trying not to talk about the kids as well is really great. I don't know how I got onto that topic. We got onto dates anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's definitely uh, important to definitely have a date night. We, we were together 11, almost 12 years actually. And we always set time aside. There's that one day, you know, to just go out to eat or go to the beach or, you know, just yeah. To, oh my gosh, in New York, you've got no excuse as to what you could do on a date. There's like 45,000 things each week. It's, um, yeah, catch a show, eat some of the amazing food. Oh, go, you know, oh, uh, yeah. You could list off all the amazing things you do on your date and help us out here. <laughs> <laughs> we keep it pretty simple out here, believe it or not. We're not oh, really? Not too, not too crazy. 
But I, but I know people who do like going into the city, driving into Manhattan and, you know, seeing a play or a concert. Yeah. Stuff like yeah. that. You know, if things come up like that, you know, if it's something that we're both interested in, we'll, we'll do it together. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good. Oh, that's what I was going to say as well. It's fun to get um, each take turns. So as much as you might not think that your uh, wife likes go-karting, that it's your turn. So you get to organize something you want to do or, you know, paintball or, you know, something a bit crazy that she might not necessarily like, but then when it's her turn, she can get you to do macrame weaving or um, something like walking along the beach that you might not like doing so much so yeah then everyone's you know you're just enjoying and starting to do new things together yeah signing up for dancing classes you know you don't purposely want to do something your partner hates but it's just nice to push the boundaries and try and think of new things but I think the key for us was that we booked them in advance and so you knew that your um, friend had set aside and cancelled stuff just so that they could babysit so you can't cancel you've got to go unless it's you know the kids are desperately sick then we have always went and we've always benefited, benefited from it. You know, I saw on your, on your website, you have like a calendar that have like 30 days of things that you can do for your spouse to show appreciation. Yes. And yeah, I did that for, we have a marriage week here. Um, it's not huge, but it's a great reminder that um, to for couples to focus on their marriage, wish it was 52 weeks, but anyway, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, good. Thanks for reading that. But yeah, it's a really good idea. Um, and I suggest couples, you know, maybe if it's a bit overwhelming to do one thing every day, um, maybe just, you know, each pick two things each week that you can do. So yeah, you can, it's under my free resources of, uh, the confident counseling.com. And there's a few other things of conversation starters. We even use them with our children around the dinner table and for boys who traditionally are known not to like talking um, as much as us women. They love it. They're like, can we do the conversation starters tonight? So we go around the table and um, you pick out a conversation starter. And, you know, just on that, we lead into family health here is that it's really important to get to be eating around the table as a family. If you've got children or even just as a couple without distractions and without screens, because when those children grow up to be teenagers, they need to know and feel comfortable with talking. Um, you know, it's proven that, that teenagers have a lower suicide rate. They have a higher um, range of vocabulary. They eat more uh, high, different ranges of foods when they have grown up eating around the table and eating with their parents. And, and that, that's your open space to share things through your day. Anyway, and these conversation starters, they lead into all sorts of funny and bizarre things that you might not think um, to ask either your partner, you know, just wacky ones. Who was your favorite teacher? Or if tomorrow was the last day of the year, what would you do before then? Yeah, it's fun because that's when you get back into explicitly thinking about fostering your relationships. Um, and that's one great way of doing it. So that's also under my free resources. There's about a hundred there. So you can just chop them up and stick them in an old box and pick them out tonight. I guess like, like you said, when that opens up that sort of conversation, it takes away from the everyday stuff. Oh, work was terrible. We have yeah. a bill due. You know, what <laughs> yeah. are we going to have for dinner? <laughs> yes, it can get so boring. You're right. It can get very monotonous. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another great strategy is when you um, – put this to the rest of the family, like give me 
two minutes of asking me questions. So if I was to say to you, yeah, if tomorrow was the last day of the year, what would you do? And you answered it would be to keep asking you questions. So what would that be like? Why would you do that? Um, how would you feel when you did that? I know it sounds a bit counsellory, but I think it's really nice for us to learn to be more inquiring with our partner and our children than just, uh-huh, yeah. So what I guess what it is fostering is um, attentive listening. And, um, you, you know, that is what makes relationships thrive when you know that you've got um, an attentive um, listener there who is your number one fan, who's there backing you and that you've got their back. Yeah. Since this is a show about podcasts uh, mm -hmm. and you have your own, are there any special podcasts that you like to listen to that you like to recommend? Oh, yes. I've got such a list. And the unfortunate thing here on the Sunshine Coast, unlike my colleagues who might live in Melbourne and Sydney that sit on trains or um, I guess in New York, America, definitely lots of traffic. We do not have traffic here. Everywhere I drive is about five minutes. So I listen to little snippets of podcasts and then I have to rely on it, you know, when I'm doing my good housewifely duties of folding the wash and I'll put them in the background. Okay, so here's my, my top ones I love. All in the Mind in, is by our national uh, ABC radio and they have some awesome topics um, there. So I highly recommend that. I love the Science of Psychotherapy. So that's by a lecturer um, and his colleague that I worked with when I was a tutor um, in university last year in neuropsychotherapy. So they interview people all over the year. All over, the, all over the world, sorry. I love listening. I guess the news ones are, you know, great for me just to catch up on the news 7 a.m. today. There's also TED Talks Daily. Obviously, that's pretty popular already. And then um, being in business, um, I also tap into online marketing with people like Amy Porterfield um, just to keep abreast of what's going on um, as to how I can improve my business. I'm also a Christian, so I listen to a lot of um, sermons. <laughs> so that also rejuvenates me and uh, inspires wisdom um, from different churches uh, all over the world and even listen to my local pastor's um, sermons when I might miss it or something like that. Yeah. We have a portion of the show called Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless Self-Promotion. And this is a part where you get to let our listeners know uh, where they can reach you or catch you on social media or anything else that you'd like to pass on to them. Oh, where do we start? All right. So we've got Is This Love Podcast, where I have met the fabulous Jim, the podcast Sherpa, online. Thank you. Um, so that's available on Spotify and Anchor and all other platforms. Um, you can listen into Salt 106.5 in Australia. They have an app and I co-host the morning breakfast show between 6 and 9 a.m. where I talk about my weekly relationships column, which is featured in the in our Sunshine Coast Daily newspaper. It's in the weekend mag lift out, but I upload it onto my blog every week on the sunshinecoastcounseling.com. And I think that's most of what my week involves. I do a little bit of volunteering for local organisations in um, local schools. We have Shine mentoring programs. And so I talk about um, living the dream and opportunities and being the best version of yourself. But yeah, um, thank you for your support. And I, as you can tell, I get very passionate about my work. So it's really exciting to share it with everyone who's listening. And my mantra, it is never too late to begin. So if you think you're stuck in a rut or you are caught in depression, anxiety, 
Um, you can move beyond it. You can have a greater relationship. We are designed to enjoy dynamic and flourishing relationships. So make sure that you have nothing uh, less than that and make sure you learn the skills and the strategies. Um, often it's a learned behavior to go and get it. I think that's a great mantra. <laughs> Joe Wilson, thank you so much for coming down to the Sherpa Chalet. <laughs> thank you for having me. I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. This week's Sherpa Suggestion is a double dose. We're going to be talking about recommendations for podcasts about the brain and podcasts about marriage. So first of all, make sure that you are checking out Joe's podcast, Is This Love?, for more podcasts about the brain, you can also check out You Are Not So Smart, which is actually a favorite of previous podcast guest Dave Roberts from The Owlish Folk. And I know Dave's a really smart guy, so you know that that's a good choice. There's also Brain Science with Dr. Ginger Campbell, MD, Neuroscience for Everyone, and also Everyday Neuro. For some podcasts about marriage, you can check out the Fierce Marriage Podcast, Marriage is Funny, and Anatomy of Marriage. I think those marriage podcasts are really going to be helpful if you are a married person, you know, because they're the things that'll tell you what you should do after you say, I do. Okay, I guess that'll do it for another week. A special thanks to Joe Wilson. Oh, what a pleasure of a guest she was. And I hope maybe one day we can do another show. In the meantime, if you're enjoying this show, don't forget to leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio. Feel free to drop me an email at jimthepodcastsherpa at gmail.com if you've got any questions or comments, or if you're a podcaster and you want to come on the show, you will be more than welcome to. This way we can encourage more people to listen and uh, have a good time, okay? I hope you've had a good time, and I will see you next time. You know what? Uh, since Bruce is under the weather, I think I will take care of the exiting responsibilities for him, okay? Okay, now this is... This is going to be a little tricky, but I'll give it a shot, okay? Thanks again for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Don't forget, you can find this show every Wednesday on your favorite podcast app, or you can even go to my website, www.jimthepodcastsherpa.wixsite.com forward slash website, or if you have a TuneIn app, you can listen on an Alexa speaker. And you can follow me on social media. Okay, show's over. You can go. Go, go, get out, come on. Don't, don't leave those potato chips on the floor. I have to clean this up, you know. Feel better, Mr. Bruce.